Welcome to the Outside Game. I am the host with the most key bullet with my main man, Don Povia, riding shotgun as usual. Thank you, sir, Mr. Monday Night. And I think we actually did what we said we were going to do. We say, hey, we'll see you next week. And here we are. We got one in. Hey, consistency. It's all about consistency. Congrats to us. But uh, yeah, let's keep a little bit uh, with the COVID theme. Although this week we're bringing in a special guest, an old friend, an old colleague. Uh, you know, we say old is kind of like the old Jeff Eisenband uh, joke. You know, <laughs> our, our, our old young friend that we have here, Tyler Brocious. Tyler, welcome. What's up, man? How are you guys doing? It feels like, you know, I feel like I anytime I get on the phone or a podcast with you two, it's just another day at the office, kind of. We're always in a group chat with some idea rolling or something. So it's good to, as always, check in with you two. Yeah, and no, I think it's um like when we're obviously we we're talking about this earlier in the week. I was um I thought it was a great idea to to have you on because obviously you know the different guests we do um you know are the feature and usually the main um, focus of their industry and you know you're one of those people that they could there wouldn't be those industries wouldn't really work too well if there weren't people like you behind the scenes um making all the deals and everything happen so um i think this is going to be a great podcast for for us to have you on here to shed some perspective on things that people don't even think about so um uh, thanks for thanks for having coming on i'm sorry yeah, back with that COVID theme, like I said, people talk about everybody being stuck in the house and sports not happening. And it's not just the athletes or the teams or the franchises or the leagues that are affected by that. It's really the personnel that's affected, too. So, Tyler, most recently, I mean, you've done a lot of uh, stuff in a, in a short period of time as a really a social media strategist and a practitioner, a guy that gets in there as a community manager on the creative side. But, you know, most recently you were with the the league office for the XFL and, you know, unfortunately how things went down there, you know, you're looking for work just like a a lot of people are right now. But, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to have any issues with that. But tell us a little bit about that XFL experience. One of our first guests was uh, president of the New York team, Janet Dutch. And, um, you know, there was a different perspective a few months ago. Um, But, you know, somebody that was on the inside uh, what's your overall take on on the league and and how things went down? Yeah, I think first and foremost is everything's kind of in the past five weeks. Um, my first feeling is really sad and upset because up until like literally to the day, as I always explain, of course, Don, we're not even five seconds in. I'll bring up my mom, but like as I'm trying to explain it to my mom, we started week one out of nine out of 10. Whenever you're trying to talk ratings to non-sports people, it's just easier to go off like a one through 10 scale. So ratings were a nine out of 10 and ESPN, Fox Sports, everybody was going to be okay with a threshold of about three out of 10. We never really got below a five out of 10, hypothetically. So for us, it was, we were really excited about the path. Year two looked good. Year three looked even better. I was in conversations about possible locations for next teams and what that would look like from a content standpoint and reaching audiences that aren't really usually reached from the NFL or even in our newer markets in the XFL. So we were really excited about that. And then, you know, I call it the Rudy Gobert day that day where that Wednesday, everything kind of shut down. We went from, you know, not even this might sound really upsetting to some, but like we were kind of laughing as a group, like some people traveled East, from California and like we were kind of like oh COVID like some people were doing knuckles or elbows but it wasn't very serious and then by Wednesday it was like okay we're gonna have to have the Seattle game without fans and then by Thursday our regular season was cut so but 
then you go from that month from when the regular season was cut to what I call good, bad Friday. Now, a lot of names in this sad story, but <laughs> you know, um, we, we were planning for 2021 and then by week three of the off season, we kind of got some messaging, like let's tone back 2021. We don't really know exactly when we'll play. And that's when things got a little murky. And then that Friday, we all woke up with a little extra money in our bank accounts and we all mm-hmm. kind of, the writing was on the wall and by the meeting started at 12 o'clock and by 12.08, I was looking for a new job. So really upsetting because I truly believe, especially on our front, like the digital marketing team and content team delivered exactly what we said we were going to deliver and then some. So, you know, equal parts upsetting and satisfactory that, you know, we can go in the interviews and be like, we delivered on everything we did. The the teams delivered on everything they did. We just, you know, we didn't go to page 99 where it said how to handle a global pandemic when you're not, ex- we don't know when college football will play, when the NFL will play, how to compete with those two markets and stay profitable as you're paying people a higher premium because you want the best talent. So I kind of get it by, by that Sunday, I totally understood the reasoning behind it. And as us being so well connected to the WWE, they were taking losses the XFL was only looking at losses because, you know, obviously startups, you have to take some lumps, but there was a lot more lumps coming in when half your season's cut down. Yeah, that's crazy. Hey, and can you um, tell exactly what your role was with the XFL? Yeah. So my role with the XFL was kind of fun. When I met with Fred Harner, we always joked that 9 a.m. I went in for an all day interview and it was for a social media position. And by 11 o'clock, uh, with my experience on the website side and social media and a few other things, I got bumped to digital content manager, which for me was great, not only fiscally, <laughs> but responsibility-wise. At my age, it was a great next step. Um, with that, I was one of the three editor-in-chiefs of the entire website. So with all eight teams being owned by one guy, we were able to basically be the hub. So nothing got posted on one of the eight team sites or the league site without going through me or one of my two coworkers. And also, by like week two, they realized that I still have an addict, my little addiction to social media. So I was being pulled into the team meetings for social media league meetings. So I was like kind of a Swiss Army knife, but my home base was on the website and app development. So real exciting stuff. Like as exciting as the right features about guys that are getting shine on TV. Like we were doing such minute things like how do stats look and how do we player link pages? Like stuff that you go to NFL.com, you take for granted from like, 2003 on we were making happen at the ground floor so that stuff that's when people say like what was it like creating a league like you can't make up like being there the first day when jerseys were revealed is one thing but being in meetings where it's like okay how do player profiles look and that really small stuff is really what you could take to your next gig and really shine a light on let's let's talk a little bit about that experience that you alluded to and how old are you 24 24 So mentally 24, (laughs) probably (laughs) real life geek. (laughs) Uh, You know, kind of starting at Quinnipiac. You know, it's interesting to you too because guys like this. He talks about social media. They were born into it, right? This is just second nature to them, right? This is stuff that we turn. You know, let's say you know, internet. Let's say we're turning 17, 18, right? And and we're figuring that out. Email, you know, and then social media. You know, skip ahead another 10 years or what have you. Uh, but these are guys that just kind of are 
you know, born with it. They're born into it. They're, it's right. it's just native. They're digitally native people. Um, so you had done some work with Quinnipiac in the in the media department, um, you know, through, and we'll take you through there. But why don't we start with that? I know that was a challenging but fruitful experience for you that you certainly kind of look at as the baseline for what you did starting back in college. Yeah, and it kind of started like the little you know, if it blossoms into a tree, right? Like the little roots of it was growing in high school. Um, we were lucky down in South Jersey in Mount Laurel. We had our own like broadcast television. So we would air, I would do play by play for every sport and it would air on channel 19, which, you know, probably doesn't even get a hundred viewers when it's there, but you're getting reps and you're dealing with production in your ear going, they, they were going into commercial, like stuff I wasn't even doing at Quinnipiac. So I used that experience and that leverage to get to all the games. And then I would live tweet all the games in like 09, 2010, like before social really even picked up. Like I was doing off a of Blackberry. I was live tweeting, couldn't even access Instagram. It was, Keith, we, you know what we had? We had the guy with the VHS tape thing at the top of the press box recording yeah. it. That, yeah, and we're that. lucky if those tapes even still exist now. And now you're talking, about, man, talking about high school. They're very grainy. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, all over the place. So like, He's, li- he's live tweeting games in high school. <laughs> yeah, that was my thing. And I was just like, I'll do it on my account. And between, before you know, like South Jersey journalists and all these people were starting to follow me. And like, I'm sitting at 16 with 1500 followers. So wow. then I took that over to Barstool when I was like 19 and did the whole Barstool route, which blossomed me to more followers, more learning about social blogging, you know. I still think probably one of the top three youngest bloggers ever on a site that's just become, you know, a monster took that and really went to Quinnipiac, continued broadcasting. But the problem was that I was getting paid $10 an hour in the fall and the spring to do play by play, which between you and me is great beer money, sandwich money, you know, out of the dining hall, whatever. The problem was in winter, they they hire out the ESPN for play by play. And I needed to figure out how to make myself different to make sure I could be at every hockey game. So then I could write at the time. I really want to be a feature writer. Uh, the access that I got from being a social media guy, I went in, it was like 2014. And I said, social, your social media stinks. It can't be all links. You can't post grainy photos and links and expect to compete with the Michigans, the North Dakotas. So I gift every single hockey goal for five years and it got picked up everywhere. So like we kind of grew our, but the problem is, of course, when you're in college, is that if you do it for one team, the other 20 varsity teams want a slice of the pie. And that was fine with me because it meant more money, working harder, more time. to. And not only that, but you're learning 20 different sports. Like I was the only person in the world that could write a feature story about a sport like acrobatics and tumbling while static game like field hockey. So like I would joke like in my college time, like it would be like an October day and I would do I would play by play in social a soccer game from 11 a.m. to one. I'd go to the next field and do field hockey from one to three. I go back and do a men's soccer game from three to five, throw on a suit and go up to the arena and run social and write uh, like a 1500 word feature story for men's ice hockey and still be able to catch like only miss the first hour of my pregame with my buddies. So like I was like, this is living the life and wake up on Sunday and do two more games and be ready for the Eagles kickoff at four o'clock. So like for me, it was all planning and routine very well. Yeah. For me, it was like, I know I'm not going to. I'm never going to be the straight A student. And I think, yeah, you can learn a lot by reading books. But for me, it was like, I want to get my hands dirty. How do you, you, you can't read a book and figure out how to cover a 10, nothing blowout or a one, one tie in overtime. So like 
getting as many reps in so many different situations was something that was really exciting for me. And that's really what allowed me to move into my next jobs, my opportunities with Don, and then moving on to my job at the XFL. Well, I was so, going to say, go ahead, Keith, but go ahead. So, um, like, having all that experience at such a young age with, like you said, getting getting, getting in there, getting your hands dirty, rolling your sleeves up, um, and then now, you know, you're you're more of on the social media is social media stage. Is there like, um, do you miss that uh, blogging and, and like actual hands-on with the team sports? Yeah. So for me, it was like, how do I mix it all? Right. Like I was at the time I run into this problem when I mentor a lot of students now that are seniors or going to graduate from, from getting their masters or whatever. It's like, Yes, it's great to have four or five different pitches, but if there's two outs, three balls, two strikes in the ninth inning, what's your strikeout pitch? Right. Like I always knew I could blog, I could always feature write, I could help set up a website, but my, you know, my Billy Wagner fastball at 102 miles an hour is going to be my social media. No one can plan, put together a social media checklist and master it and complete it on game day with a fun, creative you know, objective driven side, like I can right now, at right. least I believe so. So that's my, that's my fastball. And then you're just lucky because if you, you, you tackle someone like me at 24, you have what I think is nine years experience, but he's still 24. So it's a very interesting thing to bring. It's like, Oh, he's 24 is three years experience. Like, no, no, no. I've been doing this and learning this craft since social media was down to 140 characters, right. like, like the stone age. So, for me, learning every single thing and staying current is probably the trickiest thing, but I just keep the reps and the reps and whatever opportunity. That's why at the XFL, the, the hunch to really look at how websites look and how they feel and a mastering AP style even more. So like all that really moved me to the next step of my career, which is giving me, you know, as I'm on the job hunt, some fun, creative opportunities. Well, I mean, it, it's funny that you mentioned the gymnastics and things like that and talking about that sort of gap, let's say, between Quinnipiac and uh, the XFL. You know, you're covering WNBA and not to say that's obscure, but it's it's a challenge in many rights uh, compared when you're dealing with the big three and uh, the NNL, the NLL uh, lacrosse league. So uh, being able to not only be um willing to do these things but i think you've embraced them like the almost like they're challenges but you it allows you to allow your creativity to shine and and i think you were recognized for that right people were talking about the best wmba account that nobody's reading and that had a lot to do with you and it sounds like that experience and that willingness and appreciation for doing things as a student without sort of the glitz and the glamour really you know open up doors for not just the jobs but to be successful at those jobs yeah, and I remember back in like I think maybe 2016, RAD sent me an article, and it was a whole long article about Clemson football and how they covered their first national championship game, and they talked about a 25-person staff, and for me it was like let's treat, and that's the national championship. They're all salaried, cool, great. Let's treat every single game I cover like it's the Clemson football national championship game, and from there it was a two-parter at Quinnipiac. I was using not using, but I allowed all these great kids that came from the communication field, whether they want to shoot video, they want to shoot features, write features, be on air, whatever they want to do. We built out about a 50 person, for lack of a better term, club that 
they got paid work study and they were able to produce content on a larger scale than they would in a student media organization for the athletic department. So I was running meetings, full content plans, So every team was covered in a right way. And then I took that to the sun and the black wolves where it was like, okay, smaller budget, one graphic designer, one video guy. And I treat it like the buffet style. Like if you're going to pay X amount of dollars for the buffet, do not come back with one piece of Turkey and a piece of bread, fill up the damn plate. And at that point, when I explained that to my video editor, it was like, great. And speaking in layman's terms, again, like if you're going to shoot a hundred pieces of video for, you know, a feature or for a pumper or whatever, let's, and you're only going to use 30, where did those other 70 go? Do not scrap them. Can I cut them off to 20 second clips? And as I was really lucky because the WNBA is an interesting one in Connecticut, right? You're, you're, you have two main markets, the market you want and the market you're getting. The market we were getting were Facebook heavy 50 plus older white people, for lack of better terms, coming from UConn. And if they're not watching UConn women's basketball, they want to watch women's basketball in the summer. And they are the people that want to know, I bought the two season tickets. Where are fanny packs? They're commenting <laughs> right on Facebook. So like, and then I was really allowed to go. We wanted to seek a younger African-American audience, female on the Twitter and Instagram side and just have a little bit more fun and really reach that. So using my pop culture references, saying reference, and that's where you really saw this new outlook I created in the WNBA, you know, really shined a light on it. I'm sure it's been done before, but I think in the WNBA in that league, it was a lot more, we're all in this together. If one team wins, we all win. And I don't think you can build a league that way. So we really started to get edgy. We started to really clap back at teams. Luckily enough, like I always say, we were the best team in the league the entire season. We were, and people were kept calling us underdogs. We had a lot of stuff woven into our marketing campaigns that like were just serendipitous for us, but we used it to our advantage. And when the, I'll never forget our PR person, we're driving to game one of the WNBA finals, turns around, she goes, ESPN wants to talk to you. I said, oh, what do they like have a, que- like how to clip something or something? They're like, no, they want to do a feature on you in the Twitter account. Oh, and I met the woman and I'm like, Listen, I'm doing this out of my $600 studio in Groton, Connecticut. Like, it's either Applebee's or live tweeting at night. So, like, right. I'll live tweet at night. And I think the bosses realized, like, I was just – there was no off switch with me. Like, sometimes I'll crush a two-hour nap on a Saturday. But besides that, like, it's being on, being current, and the difference of two hours can make or break, you know, a pop culture reference from being relative or old. So, it's like watching the NBA Finals. And when the first meme hits, like you want to be the first or the fourth person, not the 50th. Like you're seeing that right now in quarantine. Like how many more times can we watch the Zoom interview? Like, what are you doing? Are you gaming? Like, no, go in depth with that. Have them do a Twitch stream. Like everyone's doing Zoom interviews. What are you doing to separate yourself? So that was our big thing and not getting caught in the monotony and having someone who, to be honest, only ever watched two or three WNBA games in his whole entire life and never watched an NLL game come into that fold. I think kind of blew it up in the right way. Yeah, that sounds <clears throat> that sounds like you know being you're. I didn't never realize you know what I'm saying that uh, the time and and that you put into what you do. You know what I'm saying, and you know that's why I, this this interview is awesome because I'm seeing how detailed and um, how much effort you put into things you do. Kind of like being like um, it's like you know, the top, top athlete, man, you, you know, to be at the top of your game, um, you always want to, uh, like you say, you want to be 
the the first four people to to drop the meme. You don't want to be 50. So when I was playing ball, um, I remember being like, look, man, it's 90 degrees out. I'm in Tarrytown. I got to go up to this high school and like put in these putting these reps. You know what I'm saying? Get out there and run my 110s. And like I'm in the NFL but I know no one else is doing this, you know, at least that's in my mind. So, you know, um, it, it's, it's just interesting, the mentality that you have and the approach that you take. Um, it's kind of similar to an athlete's approach to their craft. Yeah. And, and there, I see the two sides of it, too. It's the prep that goes into it. You mentioned the audiences and the goals for this. Right. We always talk transition about the why. Right. All right. Well, why are we doing social media on particularly Twitter and Instagram? Well, because we want to attract this particular audience. Right. We still want to serve this other audience over here. So there's the prep. There's the goal orientation that uh, that go into it. But then the second part is sounds like the flexibility that you're taking opportunities as they come to you. So you're not so rigid which I think a lot of people that sort of over prep, they need to stick to their plan, but you also need to kind of go with the flow and, and take what's given to you. Yeah. And that's my thing. Like I always, once again, I always go back to food references. Like, yeah, to make a good sandwich, you got to have really good cheese and really good meat and ripe tomatoes and lettuce and the right mayo or aioli or whatever. But if your bread stinks, it stinks. Like your sandwich will <laughs> fall apart. So for me, my bread was always analytics and it was planning. So the planning, I worked with our marketing director, Maura Doyle, to put together what I call Big Bertha, which I presented at WNBA meetings in 2019. It was a two-week spreadsheet. Everything was labeled so that I could give it to my VP, and she knew 22% of our messaging that week was going to be ticket sales, 22% was going to be merch, 8% was going to be funny and engaging. Like, And that was a brief estimate, right? Like, It's basically the barriers. So they so I know, hey, let's bring it up to 30 for ticket sales. We're a little loose for this game. Or, hey, let's bring up merch. We have some extra inventory. Can we do a giveaway? And then the second part is you always want to have analytics because in social media, there's a lot of people going, why are we paying this guy X just to tweet things? And so if you could show this, how, this is how many, and at college it was, this is how many new recruits we're looking at. This is how many new recruits and families' eyeballs are on our stuff. And in the Sun and the Black Wolves and in the XFL was, this is how many possible customers, or this is how many clicks led to the website, the ticket page. And this is how many of them ended up going through and purchasing when we were talking about email marketing. So all of that, you're always trying to prove your worth and obviously trying to prove your worth more and more to get a bigger and better seat at the table. And in between that is where if you plan really well and you have strong analytics, in the middle during the week, if you take, what I always did was take the last few hours on Friday and the first few hours on Monday, the plans put in the place. A lot of this can be scheduled out through Hootsuite or uh, whatever you use. We used Hootsuite, you know, and that way that allows you during the day where this thing, like, look at the past two days. It's been, what does this look at this logo? What's the first player that comes to mind when you look at this logo? Like that allows you to stay current. You could jump on that trend. You could do something different if you plan out really well, because you're not playing catch up trying to get the, you know, if, you're if you know your boss wants four or five ticket messagings during the week, get those planned and scheduled out for Monday so it allows you to have fun the rest of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you have a game on Friday. You get in that routine and you find yourself four months in, you're, you're, on, you're in a breeze, you're in a routine, like anything else. Go ahead. I was going to ask you, um, <clears throat> what do you see, like, what, like, in your mind, what is your ultimate, like, job? Like, what is your fantasy job that you can have? Uh, I love all the jobs I've been at. Um, 
But at the same time, like wearing an XFL sweatshirt down to the right aid up the street and the kid looks and is like, is that the spring football league that like might be starting? And it's like, no, no, no. We have an office of 150, like three miles away. And being at the WNBA and at the NLL, like I think when I called my dad way back when and we had a discussion about going to get my master's and working with Don and working with all these people, he's like, well, what are you getting at? And obviously, I think my big, big goal is obviously to be a VP or a president of a team, be involved with tickets and all that because I have that experience. But for me right now, it's running social media for a team. Um, the one thing I did miss the XFL was the team level. Like, I don't think there's anything you can beat, like being on the ground floor with athletes and helping share their stories. We we were able to do that to XFL, but doing it from a team level is awesome. So really running social media or marketing for a team in the NFL, NHL, NBA, or um, Major League Baseball, those are, you know, what I call the big four. And, you know, I think they're probably, you do 30 times four, they're 120 of the most coveted jobs in the nation and to have one of those that would put me in a spot where I could sit and say, you know, at 24, at 25, I'm happy, I'm chilling. And this is exactly where I want to be. So that's the goal right now, especially taking this time. You you mentioned the team side and with the team side, because the player side, I mean, you're, you're a big dude. We'll just put it that way. Right. You're down there on the court, right. You're, you're getting in people's faces with camera. How is your relationship with, with the players and, and how do players in general view some of the staff like you when they're so focused in and locked in on wanting to play the game and win the game and, you know, having, having to do that stuff was your experience with some of your, your generation, which you're lucky, right? It's not like you have to deal with older guys now. Did the players in general embrace the stuff that you were trying to do and, and support you in that? I think there's it all starts with trust. It ends and starts with trust. Uh, for me, it's getting there. Being It's one thing to show up on game days and ask to get photos of shoot-around and stuff like that. But if you have a constant presence at practice, they get used to it. And I think when I look back and people ask me this question all the time in interviews, you know, at Quinnipiac, I was there always, whether it was showing up to a soccer practice on a windy Monday. The more you're there, the more they realize you're not there just to you know, get a one-off. And at the WNBA, my favorite story is the likes of Alyssa Thomas and John Quill Jones, two stars in the league, two people that are very quiet. Alyssa Thomas hates social media. Like, she doesn't want her picture taken. She doesn't want videos. Her and I become best friends. Like We talk weekly. We text. And everyone at the Sun, even the coaching staff, you know, I'll never forget our coach one time goes, you get the same videos every day. I said, yeah, but at the same time, if I try to get a different video, I'm showing your play scheme. I'm showing what your defense you're running. Do you want me to do that? I'll do that and change it up. But then LA is going to know what we're running for game three. (laughs) And I'll never forget. He like every, the whole team started laughing and was like, Oh crap. Like he just told the coach and he understood completely. Like he never even thought of that. And so when you build that trust and at the same time being like, this is what's being told by me. And it's all about like, I still believe if you can just get them, you know, don't ask to stick it in their face, get them in the natural flow, everything kind of works. And I think that's the difference because sometimes these like one-off video shoots are a pain, like after practice, before practice, like, Hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do that? It's really frustrating. But if the social guys is coming, grabbing some video of practice layups, whatever it is, they're as used to it. It's like, they just go do your job. Let me do mine and we'll all be successful. Yeah. I think that's a a great way to actually build relationships with players. Um, You know, 
if you're there all the time for sure and then they start to be curious about what you're doing you know i definitely remember you know being at practice and just being like, hey you know seeing a scout there all the time i didn't know he was a scout he was a younger guy and then you know you know get into conversations about oh so who did you draft and who are you responsible for but you know you start to build those personal relationships especially for the people um you know not as much of the operate the team operation but of the whole um things that tie into the aspect of the organization yeah there's so many different things and it's just like for me it was always like just we, I just kind of want to be in the process, like in the weeds, on the bus. Like yeah. sometimes I know that's not possible with access and stuff like that. And it changes with every team. And at Quinnipiac, that's where I was lucky. Like we had 21 different teams and 21 coaches that all wanted their teams marketed a different way. Access was different. So through that, I really got to learn how to handle a team that won't give you that much access. Like a, our hockey team was our number one team, but gave me zero access. Like treated me like I was the news channel. So how do I get video of them going out onto the ice? I stick my hand from the stands with a camera and it looks just like I'm there. So like you get used to the teams that give you all the access, no access, just all getting used to it. And that allows me now as I'm in job interviews for a team that's like, listen, we're going to give you all the access in the world or a team that says, Hey, we got a GM or a coach that doesn't want to do access. And you go, that's fine. I'm, I'm used to rolling with those punches and staying, allowing yourself to be flexible really allows you to be successful in my job. You know, Tyler, uh, I want to touch back on something and then I want to tee you up for for some fun stories that I know you like to tell over and over, but they're they're equally enjoyable. Uh, but one thing you, you, you touched on Barstool, which is, you know, you mentioned being one of the younger writers for that company. Now, you know, going from a place like Barstool to a place like the WNBA, which, you know, to the layman would be kind of polar opposites. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about your, your Barstool experience. Yeah. And I think I always laugh about it, that it's like I wear all these different hats. Right. And for me, it was using my hat from Quinnipiac and the very PR. We were very regimented. Um, my boss at the time, before he was let go, was very like, don't do this. Don't do that. A lot of don'ts. Where in Barstool, it's like, do whatever you want. And but at the same time, there was like their own little rules. And so when I sat down, to have my interview with Amber Cox, the WNBA and the NLL is very open. You know, I have a barstool pass without a flick to the WNBA. I said, listen, I don't think that's a problem for me personally. Like every interview I go into, I address it. I say, and it shows that if you want to go edgy, fun, different, I can do that. Quinnipiac for six years shows you that I can go into a room, wear a suit, a tie, be quiet, do my job. You know, my time at transition tells you I can work one-on-one with a personality, a celebrity, an athlete. So whatever you need me to do, and then it all worked out. With the Black Wolves and the Sun, you're talking about two different, completely different teams. And the way we approached our social channels were kind of like six different things. So I kept joking that I was like the guy from Split. Like I had all these different personalities for all these different social media accounts. Like we were going fun and a little bit more out there on Twitter. Uh, our Instagram was a lot more, you know, kind of just, really clean cut and cool photos facebook on the this is the sun side on the sun side it was older white people like hey where is like you know the joke like the karens of the world like where is our season tickets it's like <laughs> please read the graphic above there it's may 15th no wonder they're not there it's march 31st and then the black wolves it was more family based on facebook and it was more 
lacrosse junkies on Twitter. So we knew we'd have to dive in the stats and really play up these weird goals and stuff that I had to teach myself on and Instagram. Um, it was kind of a mixture of both. So doing all that and learning all that has made a really fun concoction in my brain and getting all these reps. It just goes back to like, I kind of, I'm a chameleon. I kind of blend in wherever I need to blend. Well, you know, you could probably hear or infer Tyler's tenacity when it comes to his work. But I think uh, what also cracks me up is his tenacity for first impressions. But the reason I met Tyler was was through a mutual friend, Mike Germano, who was a Quinnipiac alum. But I, I think you always tell the story about when you and I met, but the Mike one just kind of cracks me up even more. So tell us about how we connected via your connection to Mike. Yes, I think those are like my two favorite stories. So I, I took... I had two brothers, both business majors, a BC and Hopkins. So like, I'm just the out, I'm the complete weird shaped <laughs> potato of the family. And like my older half brothers, like you need a business minor. You can't just be like journalism and sports studies, like your buddies. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I'm like, I'm taking entrepreneurship. Both my parents are entrepreneurs and I get connected with Dale Jasinski and Dale Jasinski's like, Hey, this guy, Mike Germano, he runs vice he's coming up to speak to Quinnipiac tonight. So I had to do, a, it was like a nine o'clock, 10 o'clock thing. And then at 10 o'clock, I had to hop on air at like our Quinnipiac ESPN to talk about field hockey. So I'm like <laughs> sweating in a suit, sitting in this hall and Germano's playing like this crazy vice video of like reporters being thrown out of planes and landing in <laughs> Uganda and stuff. And he's like, constant you know and then he goes through the whole spiel like i think everyone's lazy here i'm not giving don't come up asking for internships i don't want to give quinnipiac kids internships and i'm like yeah this guy i'm telling him off so like, i go up and i'm like hey i kind of agree with you really bad let me prove you wrong and i was like first of all i'm not wearing this suit because i thought i was going to meet you i have a stupid field hockey thing in 15 minutes for like 12 moms and their dad and my dad to watch on YouTube. So like, and so I give him my whole spiel and he's like, just give your res like email this person, my partner, and we'll get you set up. I think I have a sports guy in the South Jersey area. I was like, cool. <laughs> so like I'm sitting covering a women's basketball game and 55 like different Twitter accounts start following me, which is Don outside game blogs with balls and transition all at once. And I was like, Oh no, I'm being under attack. So like, I'm like, <laughs> and so Don then hits me up and is like, yo, come, it was the Cordell doc. Well, wait, might- let's, let's stop right there though. Because first Mike's like, yeah, I was up at Quinnipiac and this, this kid was stalking me. He's from South Jersey. If nothing else, you guys could talk to Eagles or something, but he seems aggressive. Uh, see what he's all about. Like he wants to be, he wants to do sports. You're the sports guy. You talk to him. <laughs> like it was just basically like Mike, like just like passing him off. Him and, off. Right, right. Yeah. And so me and Don connect. I tell him I can't come to the Cordell screening, but I'll be down in for winter break in a couple of weeks. So Don and I agreed to meet at what, what diner was it? I always forget it, but it's the one. Uh, Mastories. Mastories. Yeah, Mastories. And so like, like one of the, now Jersey is known for the diners. Mastories in Bordentown is basically the biggest diner menu in New Jersey. So it's like the biggest menu of the biggest menus in the world. Literally the Mecca. So <laughs> I like in like a sweater, like a shirt and Povia rolls in backpack, some North Face, like, metallic-y black vest, 
like almost a quarter zip or like a mock turtleneck beanie sunglasses slings the backpack into the booth and was like what's up and i was like this is like a sports special agent like this is mission <laughs> so like and basically and then he's just woofing down corned beef hash i'm like so nervous i'm barely eating a bacon egg omelet because all i did was meet germano who scared the living hell out of me so i think povia is like germano and then me and don are chatting it up we realize it's going to work and we're going to work together and he's like i just got to wait here my wife will kill me if i don't bring home the bread from the stores which is delicious it's the best (laughs) and like literally what's that almost three years later we're still working together four if not not, that's longer than that because i met you at the draft in philly i think that's when i first um met met that was my first big thing so like I've been everywhere from like attending the Dom Povia Derby you were party. Hustling. You were Can't hustling, man. Yeah. yeah, and that was the day he was like, it was in between my first and second year of my master's. It was about a couple months before I ended up taking the sun job. And he was like, we got an office in New York. And I was like, I'm in. And then I went home and realized it was going to be an hour and 10 minute drive to the train man. station, take a 40 minute train, and then another 40 minute train, and then a 15 minute walk. And I was like, wasn't too shabby. Yeah, you were talking about tenacity. He was he was commuting to New York from South cool. Jersey to like to South. Yeah, like south of me. Wow, so, that's what's up, man. I like and it. And like, it's funny. Like, as I built, I'll never forget. Like, I built out on April 10th. I kind of had to go like create out create my bunker team. Like, okay, so who's all the people I know that have one connections? And two, like, will not just tell me to take any job that's out there. And I was like, Don Povia, <laughs> Mike Germano, who blew me off that day because NASA called him. <laughs> I will call you back. NASA is calling. And I went, what? He's like, yes, like the space, NASA. And hung up on me. <laughs> he called me back. Uh, and Judd and Shannon Judd. So, like, these are the people, like, Shannon has always been, like, a big sister to me. At tr- you know, tr- been a transition forever. Don is literally my second dad. My mom, like, literally is like, have you talked to Don today? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. And, like, all these people, and, like, me and Germano have reconnected through some other different things, but, you know, he was the one that brought me down. We were, I don't even know if I can go into this story, but, like, he was trying to send me to the Yankees to be the social media manager at 21, and I was like, another day I was just profusely sweating through a dress shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so I got, I got another good... Uh broche story and then we'll kind of wrap it but uh we were working with eric kelly uh so if you google eric kelly boxing he's you know the the meanest (laughs) the meanest trainer in new york city uh you know eric was doing a little podcast and actually he asked me about about doing something else but he had a gym in the south bronx so uh we were going to interview um melly mel right grandmaster (laughs) melly mel uh like in the south bronx and so me and tyler get off the subway in the South Bronx and start walking through and he's got like his Docksider shoes on, like <laughs> his pleated pants, like, like I'm like, dude, you're the whitest guy in the South Bronx, like it ever. Not good. It was a Lululemon, like not teal, but like a dark greenish teal polo, Sperry's and J. Crew Doc shorts. I it looked like I was a Sims character. That <laughs> I got dropped. Got dropped in the South Bronx. <laughs> it was a good experience. Makes for a great story. Yeah, man. Oh, 
Well, Tyler, man, uh, we appreciate you coming on. I really think this is like a blueprint for any young kid yeah. wanting to get into one sports or sports media. I mean, there's a lot of different boxes that you've checked off. And, and I mean, that's a testament to you. And like I said, tenacity, man, um, you know, even going back some of the high school sports or the high school stuff. I don't know if I, I didn't remember it or I hadn't heard it, but, you know, you put it really in perspective. It's not three years of experience. It's it's nine years of experience. But that has to do with something that Keith always said. You use his term, just putting the reps in. Right. And that, I think that's why I've always sort of appreciated you as a person and your work ethic, you know, as a colleague is the fact that you're just going to do it. You know, speaking of Melly Mel, I mean, I still laugh. We got this great picture of him escorting. Um, Flav of Flav through the Barclay Center when we did the OMTV rap stuff, right? I mean, you drop him in there, you took care of business, you did what you had to do. You maybe you weren't the most comfortable, but you adapt because you're professional and you're able to do that, and you're personable. You're professional and you're personable, which you know you don't always get that every day. I still to this day, that's the number one. It's like on my like activity for my Apple Watch. That day, I walked over like 18 miles. I mean, nothing for runner Don here. But like 18 miles of steps to the Barclays, like straight up telling Fat Joe he has to do media and him yelling at me, me telling him, no, you have to do media. <laughs> yeah, wait, 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 tell me that story. Did he call you the N-word? Yeah. <laughs> he, he was like, and I was just like, I said, yo, you need to do media. And he was like, no, bleep. And I was like, but like, that's my job. I got to do media. And he was wearing just this giant bright blue sweater in the middle wow. of in the middle of June, and I was like, and then he did it. Like, he listened to me. And, like, Flava oh. Flava, I was like, remember, who did I end up bringing the guy from Ink Master backstage? He found me back. I had oh, all um, access. Dave, Dave Navarro. Yeah, me and Dave Navarro and his girlfriend at the time were just hanging out backstage because he was friends with the guy who was actually running the thing. And I was just no, like. He was, he was friends with uh, Fab Five Freddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> like, a hilarious day, like. But that was the thing, like, and for me, it's always been, like, work really hard, be really nice, like, and, like, if I'm not nice and I don't really work very hard, like, it's all the little things, right? Mm. Like, I could always be nice to Don, but it's being nice to the people that he's introduced me to, like you, like his wife, Angela, like, those little things all add up. And if you can treat people like they're humans instead of, like, and that was, I think, the one thing Germano remembers, it's like, yeah, he'll probably joke and play it off that like I bum rushed him, but I was just treating him like a person while everyone else was treating him like a demigod. It's like, right. yeah, you were me 20 years ago. Congrats. You, you're successful, <laughs> but like help a brother out over here. <laughs> Even the glasses in the front row. Help me out. Well, talk I'm about up. T- I don't care. Talk about taking care of business. Here, here's the other point is he talks about putting 18 miles in. Like I feel a lot of people and not, I'm not just talking young people. I'm talking people my age too. They forget that this is a job, right? So when you're doing those things, you're, you're there to work. Yeah. It's fun. And you have fun stories and you'll bump in particularly with like bumping into athletes and stuff like that. But you know, you're there to do something you're there, you're getting paid by someone to do a job and make sure that your job comes first. You can enjoy it if you can enjoy it, but you're not there to have fun. You're there, you're there to work. And that's another thing like, yeah, we had fun, but he put his work in and that's why he keeps, you know, climbing the ladder. Like he's climbing. The Donovan McNabb story, draft party. (laughs) Like the guy, I grew up watching Donovan McNabb either make or break my Sundays. And we're in the middle of a Philadelphia draft party and I got to say, he's like out in a parking lot instead of being like, yo, let me get a quick selfie. It's like, hey, you're 15 minutes late. We need to hurry you through the right. circuit. Like, and he was like, OK, just take me where I got to go. And at the time, that was like when I was a fat 20 year old. I was like, <laughs> OK, please. Help me. I'm sweating. <laughs> Let's go. 
Now, but, efficiency, what sticks out, what sticks out um, is definitely like your work ethic. Don's used the word tenacity a lot, but like your work ethic. And um, it's, yeah, you're only 24 years old and, and uh, your attention, to, like your professionalism and, you know, you, you put in the work. You're not afraid to, you're not intimidated by, um, you know, any task, it seems like. And I'm, I'm glad that... Um, you know, you're a part of our team. We're a part of the same network, and um, we get to watch you grow. I really didn't even realize you're only 24 years old. So, yeah, big things coming. Naughty. But young buck. Well, young buck, uh, yo, old buck, old bull, <laughs> young bull. No. Uh, yeah, this was a good one. This is the outside game. Like I said, I think this is a blueprint, and I am going to require that my future interns watch or listen to this episode. For sure. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to get this one up soon. And, uh, Tyler, what's the best place to reach you? It's probably Twitter or Instagram. It's I'm always on one of them. It's um, at Tyler underscore Broch. It's B-R-O-S-H. So T-Y-L-E-R underscore B-R-O-S-H. So best way to hit me up there, LinkedIn, anywhere. So I'm always right. on one other. Cool. Well, I'm Don Povia. That's Tyler Brocious. And that is Mr. Monday Night Keith Bullock. Until next time. Peace. Later.